0: You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Austin. Of course, we're joined by... Men. Me. And, um, yeah, we're here for another episode. It's gonna be good. So how was, how's the day been,
1: Mike? Um, it was a long day. It was, um, it was not an unpleasant day. Um, but I was, I was kind of in the shop by myself today, mm-hmm. and it just made the day, like, really long. Like, I miss days where I don't have you or someone else kind of working in the shop with me because I find that being able to torture other people in the store makes the time pass more quickly. It's true. it does. And I can only do that to the customer so much. It's true. Um, now, of course, Vlad was here. Today reading but he was very busy today like he he really didn't like he was in his office like all day good yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah i love to see him be that busy um, anyway but no but it was it was it was an alright day I've got yeah. no uh, I have no complaints
0: good yeah. so it was a busy day for me
1: yes you were very domestic
0: today I was very domestic got some receiving done clean the house both physically and energetically taught a lesson yes yeah you came by the shop twice today with uh, management Technically, no, I only came by once with management.
1: Oh, that's true. You didn't come by, you didn't have management with you earlier no. when you delivered lunch. Yeah, I delivered a different lunch it's to too. you, too. Yes, I need to deliver lunch. Yeah. Right, why are we going into this? I don't all know. I love this detail. Know. Out of people, so what are we talking about tonight? You don't need to know all this. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so tonight, uh, at the request of one of our listeners, we were we are going to be discussing cemetery slash graveyard work. Ooh. Um and a little bit of etiquette, Ooh. Um, and uh, some do's and don'ts, and important bits of information to know about necromancy as a practice. Sweet. Um, yeah. We again, we we had a listener suggest this. Um, I, as always, when we go into a topic like this, I want to say that the information that we're going to share is in no way exhaustive. There are lots of other practices and, and ways that people do this stuff, depending on on tradition. Um, and culture, and uh, the information that we are presenting tonight is really basically, uh, we're presenting this kind of in, uh, uh, or are presenting information that is not a component of closed traditions or practices, mainly because we don't, one, have a lot of right to speak on a lot of those, and two, well, that's enough right there. Anyway, let's dive in. So, Austin, I want to ask you, what is the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard?
0: Because people often interchange those. So, a graveyard is... You know, I might not be the best person to answer this because I interchange those two. But a graveyard, from my understanding, Mm -hmm. is usually attached to a church. Yes. And a cemetery is not. A cemetery is usually uh, like a public plot. Yeah. So yes, so, so
1: uh, I shouldn't say traditionally, historically, um, yes, a graveyard was something that would have been attached to a church of some sort, and typically the people buried in that graveyard were people that were going to have been members of the church congregation, yes, or, or extended family perhaps, if that was allowed. Um, yeah, that's something I think that is, um, I think since the rise of the... Um, Mortuary industry?
2: hmm
1: yeah. Is that the right word? That's not the right word. Industry? What am I trying to say? Basically, with the rise of the industry around the processes of death and dying, the funerary kinds mm-hmm. of things, um, I think we've kind of have seen that go to the wayside. There there seem to be a lot more, um, like, privatized or privately owned, like, a, a private business, not a church or a government, owns this
2: mm-hmm.
1: kinds of, of places now. And I think because of that, I think that a lot of this... Um, like that, that that I think really primarily is where a lot of the confusion comes from. So yes, absolutely. So so graveyards would have primarily been burial sites for people who were associated with the religion, where uh something like a cemetery would, would really most often or, or would have historically really been primarily like something that was run by the city. You know, that was kind of considered a, a public civil, you know, kind of kind of a space. Mm-hmm. Um so can you think of, with having having said that now, can you think of how the difference there might affect how we would work with the spirits
0: in those spaces? I mean, they're all going to be dead spirits, but the ones that you're going to find in the graveyard, if we're talking about a traditional, historically traditional graveyard mm-hmm. that is attached to a church, yes. those people are going to be in alignment with that particular tradition, that particular congregation. So... Um, I mean, um, in Gemma Gary's book, uh, The Devil's Dozen, she talks about one of her first rituals, which is meeting the man in black, or doing a reversal baptism, where you actually go to the churchyard, Mm -hmm. and you go around there, and that's where you're supposed to go, and you're supposed to have a billowing robe and a lantern. Yes, Uh, Gemma Gary is nothing if not dramatic. I'm here for it. Um, (laughs) But... um, So you would use those spirits primarily... Um, specifically, if you knew them, is most likely where you would probably do that. Whereas going to a cemetery, you'd be probably more apt to find things like the serial killers. Well, I mean, a lot of that,
1: you know, a lot of serial killers were religious. True, but were they um, a member of that congregation? Not necessarily. So I guess I guess you're 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 kind of you're you're right. Um, I think that what what I was wondering or what I was maybe kind of waiting for you to, to say or what I was waiting to hear was um we because we're dealing with say if we were to approach a graveyard mm-hmm. with the understanding that it would be likely that the majority of the people buried in that graveyard would have been religious mm-hmm. or would ha- have had some tie at some point to also probably knew each other. um m- many of them yes right because you see family plots in, in situations like that right um you know not in cemeteries um but in approaching those spirits, you would probably want to be mindful of the fact that you were dealing with spirits that would have had some of that religion, right? Mm-hmm. Even, even after life, even, even into death, you know, very often those ideas or those concepts around spirituality religion will linger. Mm-hmm. We've had communications with spirits that have been... Um, I mean, they've made it very clear, like, I I was this religion, I went to this church, I I don't want to be a part of your seance because my religion told me this was evil, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, we've had those communications. And those things, they do seem to persist, at at least sometimes. So in approaching those spirits and maybe asking them for assistance, you would maybe need to modify the way that you were going to work. You Mm -hmm. might not want to work in a way that was so secular. Yeah. Um, I would I would think that in traditions that involved um, Christian or religious elements, that working with spirits in a graveyard would actually probably become a bit easier. If you were, say, like maybe like a conjure worker, mm-hmm. where you were going to be falling back on biblical text and things Not like definitely. that, like it would maybe make more sense maybe to approach a spirit in a graveyard, mm-hmm. um, because there would be a familiarity there. Yeah. You know, as a conjure worker, if you went to a graveyard and you Pulled your Bible out. I would assume that some of the spirits of the dead buried in that space would probably react a bit more. Yep. These uh, 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 they would be easier
0: perhaps to work with, right? Yep. Of course, no promises. right? If because you were reciting passages and scriptures, they would probably they, they they would be more attracted to you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Um, so being mindful of that is good, and remember also the, the particular type of religion, right? You're probably
0: not going to go to.
1: You're say not going to go to a if,
0: Mormon <clears throat> graveyard and whip out your New Jane the, the the King James Version of the Bible and start reciting scriptures um as a contour. Oh, well yeah, or that. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean that's that's basically
1: that's where I was going. Like say if you were to go to a section of a graveyard that was um say primarily like people that were um uh Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. That was their belief and their, their faith, yeah, you're probably not gonna have a lot of luck with those spirits if you are, yeah, using the Bible. Right? So yeah, you would need to probably meet those those spirits with, you know, with their, their holy text, right? um so anyway all right where it would seem to me with places like cemeteries there seems to be a little less restriction there um or there would maybe be a little less concern there i think it's not that um you wouldn't still find uh you know people who were religious buried in cemeteries you would because very often i think it is um it's difficult to be buried in a graveyard or would have been very Mm -hmm. often difficult to be buried in a graveyard um you know and so um yeah so you still get religious people i think in cemeteries but um yeah i don't know a wider mix of people, I think, in cemeteries. Yeah, in
0: cemeteries, you're going to have a much wider mix of people, unless unless At least based on belief. Uh, yeah, based lifestyle. on belief. Unless you're in Utah, then <laughs> so most people in the cemeteries are going to be Mormon.
1: Yawn. You're yawn talking. I um, think it just hit me. Yes, the sugar crash. All I right. Had
0: three things of sweet tea today, y'all. You you did you you had a lot of sugar today. <sighs> Only from the sweet tea. Everything else didn't have sugar in it. All right, so when visiting
1: a graveyard or a cemetery, these are some things that I think that are probably good for people to be aware of. You could call this maybe like protocol, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Or some suggestions toward protocol, okay? I think, first of all when moving into these spaces particularly with the concept of doing spiritual work right if you're just if you're just visiting a cemetery because you just like you know to go and hang out in the cemetery then you probably don't need to worry about this shit but if you're there and you're deliberately going to be doing some sort of spiritual or energetic work you need to pay attention to these things otherwise you're probably going to run into some trouble at some point okay but i think first of all greet the guardian yes so austin how would you explain a a a graveyard cemetery guardian
0: to be to our listeners uh, a graveyard or a cemetery garden guardian garden <laughs> guardian is a spirit, um, depending on your tradition. It depends on who that is, what that is. Usually, that guardian spirit is the first male buried in the graveyard. Now that, that, that belief
1: does vary by tradition. That right? does vary by yeah.
0: tradition. Um, but basically what you're looking at, if you're going to generalize it, a graveyard guardian is a spirit who keeps the dead in... And it's supposed to keep the living, um, not necessarily out, but keep the living aware that the dead are there. Okay. So in greeting in a spirit like this, how would you maybe
1: suggest that someone do that? Say like you're talking to someone who's really new to this right, like any kind of witchcraft, necromancy, whatever, and they, they need to go or they want to go to a cemetery for some sort of uh, ritual or working, right, how would you suggest or what would you
0: maybe suggest that they could do to greet a, a guardian? Well, one, say hello. Depending on your tradition, some people say that you're supposed to walk backwards into a cemetery. Okay. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's that's hoodoo, and like it depends on the tradition of hoodoo, mm. as not every family did that. Yeah. Um... But you walk in, you greet, normally what you'll do is you'll stop at the gates, there are gates, Um, because most of the time cars can't be in cemeteries usually, Um, or churchyards or graveyards. Yeah. So you'll stop. Uh, That used to be pretty common, I think think that's changed of course, which is unfortunate. Um, But you'll stop there, say hello, introduce yourself, don't say my name is, say you can call me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then state your purpose. Like, I am here to do this. I will not be disturbing anything. If I do disturb something, I will make sure that I, I take care of it. And then you'll give offerings to the graveyards, the, the graveyard guardian. So what would offerings maybe look like? Depending on tradition, but most of the time you're going to see money. You'll find coins. Um, you could give offerings of water. You could give offerings of rum, hot coffee. Um, traditionally, coins would be it, though.
1: All right. So one of the things that I like to make sure I tell people when they're talking with me about doing graveyard work, um, and the process of making offerings specifically is, um, to do whatever you can to make sure that offering is biodegradable. Yes. That it is not something that will bring harm to the living creatures and flora of that space. Right. Mm Um, But also, when you're making an offering, I find it's really important to make sure that as you're giving an offering, do not hesitate. Mm -hmm. And once the offering has been made, keep moving. Do not look back. Um, To hesitate or to look back can often be interpreted as a moment of regret. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I shouldn't have given them that. Regret or unsurety. Yeah. And you don't want to deal with these kinds of spirits in a way that is going to be showing or that could, could be perceived as a regret, uh-huh. um, because it is—it's a sign of weakness and it's—it's it's rude, right? How many of us have gotten a gift from someone and then, you know, have later on somehow found out that they, you know, then they were like, "Oh, I wish I hadn't given that to you because I wanted that for myself," right? And it's like, "Well, fuck you, never mind. Here you go, take it back. I don't want it now," right? Yeah. It's like, like they're—they're, they're like you know, yeah. Anyway, you ruined it. You ruined it, right? So anyway, so yeah. So remember that. Um, don't hesitate and don't look back once an offering is made. Um, what would you say okay so say we've made it past the entry we've done our our work with the guardian right we've made our offering and everything's okay right Mm -hmm. um and I find it's usually when you do that like you'll get some sort of sign like there'll be some communication that will come through from that guardian that kind of like an acknowledgement right Mm -hmm. with like that kind of lets you know like you're welcome you're welcome to to move in right or to to, to come into the the, the normally you'll
0: for me it's a feeling of you may pass yeah. It is very much that. Okay. Yes, this is the right password. Welcome. Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, yeah I, can,
1: I can see that. Um, what about when we're actually in the yard proper, you know, and we're moving through the graves? I, I always tell people to be respectful mm-hmm. as they navigate through a graveyard or a cemetery. What does that look like?
0: What would you, what would you say there? Well, my mama always said, don't step on someone's grave. Um, okay. which is harder and harder and harder and harder as, you know, we continue to mm-hmm. see more graves pop up. You know, it's, you know you're going to have to step over a grave or on a grave to get to someone else's grave, basically. Like I, well, I mean, like,
1: uh, so, uh, sometimes, yeah, I, I don't know. I, usually, if you get fam- develop some familiarity, I could see that happening maybe, like, the first, or even, like, maybe the, f- the first few times you visited a, a graveyard just as you're getting the kind of, you know, you're familiarizing yourself with mm. where the lofts are. Or the plots, rather. Excuse me, the plots. Um, but there usually are like there usually are, are areas to walk between the rows of of plots mm-hmm. that usually. don't require you to actually
0: step over or walk across mm-hmm. a grave. It, it's true. I mean, I'm uh, Utah has very packed, very <laughs> packed graves, mm-hmm. um, cemeteries. Um, so don't step on them. Mm-hmm. You know, understand that. I don't think there's. A, I don't think there's a cemetery or graveyard. In the U.S., where the feet do not face east, mm. so as long as you're aware of where east is, you'll probably be able to navigate that a little problem yeah. a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, be respectful. You know, probably don't just don't just walk by hastily. Walk through with reverence. Uh, be somber, not sad, but somber. Mm-hmm. Respectful. Yeah. Um. And know where you're going and what your purpose is. Walk with purpose. Yeah. Um. One of the other things that I like to tell people,
1: and this is something that's not quite as well known, but as you're navigating your way through a graveyard, um, don't touch the headstones. Mm-hmm. If you are in an old graveyard or an older cemetery that actually has headstones that come up out of the ground or above the ground, don't touch headstones. Um. If you want to touch a headstone, say like maybe I know a lot of people that like to go into graveyards and they like to do etchings mm-hmm. of headstones, um, if you're going to do that, ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Ask ask that spirit. And I know it seems odd. People are like, I don't know, I what, what that makes but trust me, if you, you take a moment and you respectfully ask, you know, is it okay if I kneel here for a moment near your headstone? Is it okay if I touch your headstone? you know you again you will get some sign there'll be something that will be given to you that will tell you like okay yes or mm-hmm. a lot of times no don't fucking yeah. touch my headstone i don't know you right mm-hmm. you're think of it in the same context of going to say someone's home right and you you don't know this person right but for some reason you you now find yourself walking into their home you're not going to walk into a stranger's home and start touching shit at least i would hope you wouldn't if you're doing that then you're an asshole and you need to give it up but Anyway, so don't touch headstones, okay? And I find that just for good measure, if you are given permission to touch a headstone, leave some sort of an offering. Yes. Okay? You Just as you left a small offering for the guardian, leave a small offering for any of the spirits that you directly interact with or any of the graves that you directly interact with. Um, very important. All right. Um one of the other things that I like to, to tell people to do when it comes to being respectful of, of a yard, of a space like that, is to um, kind of be a warden of that space, mm-hmm. you know? Clean up trash. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, if you're going to be working, and I would hope, those of you who are listening, I would hope that once you had found a graveyard or a cemetery that, um, that was working for you, right, it had you know what you needed for the type of work that you're doing you know um i would hope that you would continue to go back to that cemetery or graveyard as you could it's actually going to be better practice to do that because you're going to be establishing in some odd sense a relationship with the spirits there right Mm -hmm. not just the spirits of the dead but you've got in that space you're going to have of course genus loci Mm
0: -hmm. you're going
1: to have spirits of animals yep in that area right um the guardian absolutely yep. once you have visited that cemetery or that graveyard when you return that guardian will be more inclined to recognize you right and so you're going to have a better experience if you kind of work with that find a, a favored space and then continue to work with that space um take care of it right um you're going to find in a, in a little while that the spirits there are going to probably be a lot easier a lot friendlier to work with um If you need to bury something, Austin, what guidance would you have for people who are burying things in graveyards? Because that is
0: something that uh, is commonly done in many traditions. Probably don't bury it on a grave unless you've built a relationship with that spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure that the spirit that you, if you are going to bury it and you haven't built a relationship with it, ask for permission, obviously, and make sure that that spirit is going to be in alignment with your working.
1: Would you say just in general, until you've had a chance to do that, it would probably be better just to find a space in the yard that was kind of away, maybe on the edge of the yard, that was really not near any kind of occupied ground or any graves? Yes.
0: Yes. And then if you're going to bury something, make sure you leave offerings. Usually what you'll do is when you bury in a cemetery, when you bury in a graveyard, um, you'll put offerings in there as well to the genosilkai and the land spirits. Yeah. Um... so that, make sure it's biodegradable. Yeah.
1: You know, that's, again, that's a big one. We really, we cannot stress that enough. Um, That makes me crazy. Like, every time, every year Memorial Day, Mm -hmm. where you, you drive by a cemetery or a graveyard, and people have taken these gaudy, trashy, plastic ornaments and, you know, and decorations and, you know, and things to they're the graves of people that they've loved and lost right and that's beautiful you know i love to see people honoring their dead in that way or at least giving a little bit of thought and energy to their dead in that way um but oh my god all of that is just it's garbage it's gonna sit there for a couple of days and then they're gonna come and pick it up and it's gonna all end up in a landfill yep you know, um, and in the meantime, anything that you've taken is potentially available for any of the animals that wander through that space yeah. to get into and, and eat, You know, I mean, so yeah, so I would I would ask all of you, please don't do that. You know, um, if you want to be
0: a warden of the earth, do not cover it with plastic. Um, if you're if you're going to take flowers to a grave, mm-hmm. just take some fucking flowers. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be the prettiest bouquet of roses. Just get some wildflowers. You know uh take note of where local things grow if you know that like outside of this business to grow some lavender take some lavender you know obviously harvest that ethically ask the lavender beforehand probably ask the business owner too um and then go from there but don't leave a bouquet of fake fucking roses one it's tacky mm-hmm. that's super tacky how much class do you not have to give your dead spirits plastic frickin' roses. And two, it's just not good. It's just not good. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, if you do feel the need to do that, I'm going to say is make a point to go back a couple of days later and pick that shit up. And try to find a way to dispose of it on your own. Um, yeah. But better better yet, just, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Use biodegradable things. Think think of the earth, right? We I think very often because of the nature of what a graveyard or a cemetery is, we don't associate or we don't think, oh, this is still actually a space that has life. There are still trees and other plants and animals that live here in this space. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to not fill this space up with plastic shit. Um, okay. This next one, really, to be honest, is... It's, it's, uh, it's a good suggestion. I think it's good advice, but I'm also going to just going to be completely upfront right now. This has become a personal issue for me. Like, but what I mean by that is something that I am really tired of seeing within just community at large. Okay. But I'm going to say stop to our listeners, stop with the fucking graveyard dirt. Most people digging up graveyard dirt don't even know what the hell to do with it. They've read it in a Pinterest article, or they saw it in a book. And chances are, the person who wrote the book or the Pinterest article, they didn't know what the hell to do with graveyard dirt either. They're trying to make a buck. So if you're buying graveyard dirt in a shop, and I feel weird about this because we do sell graveyard dirt in our shop, but we also sometimes we go and we harvest our own shit, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the place that we do source it when we do have to buy it, pretty sure that they're actually giving us the real, real shit. Yes, they are. But 98% of the time, if you're going into a metaphysical shop and they are selling graveyard dirt, it is not actually graveyard dirt. It has not been harvested in a graveyard or a cemetery. And if it was, it probably wasn't harvested in the right way because there are very specific ways to harvest graveyard dirt. If you want it to work for you in the way that it's supposed to. To add to that, I want to say that if you're listening to this and you're not sure how to use graveyard dirt... You probably shouldn't use it. You shouldn't use it. Because that right there tells you that any training, any experience, any knowledge, or any practice that you already are a part of or have going doesn't use graveyard dirt. So don't worry about it. Just stop. Stop. It's, it's too much. I, I, all the time, ta- everybody, everybody that, that I have talked to in recent weeks is, bit, you know, oh, I used graveyard dirt. I put graveyard dirt in my spell jars. Or I put, I'm like, are you insane? Are you insane? Just stop with the graveyard dirt. You're not using it correctly and you don't need it. There are lots of other things that can do that for you. Try some fucking iron filings for God's sake. Anyway, we've already talked about this a little bit. Um, at least around like things like genus loci mm-hmm. and other like living natural mm-hmm. energies within a graveyard right but um but i i find it's really good to talk tell people like to pay attention to anomalous kinds of things though things that pop up in these spaces right so i like, guess i'm talking about things like um trees that have grown in like a really unusual way mm-hmm. right like they're shaped funny or like there's just they're just a weird energy around this tree right you know or um like crossroads that show up like naturally forming crossroads that kind Mm -hmm. of show up in like a graveyard or a cemetery i'm not talking like paved road crossroads although sometimes you find those in a graveyard or a cemetery but like just weird things where like you know maybe they'll have um like the design of the graveyard or something will be such where you're like oh there's kind of like like a crossing path right here you know or two crossing paths pay attention to those places in, in in graveyards and cemeteries because those are usually natural focuses for power um, and they can be really good access points for the energies that you want to work with in a graveyard. Um, the entire graveyard is really going to be seeped with the energy of death and with that kind of those kinds of spirits, but if you're looking for kind of a waypoint or kind of like a thinner, what would you call it, like a thinning of the veil in that area, usually those are spaces that you're gonna wanna look for. It's going to be easier for you to set up your working near something like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, since we're talking about that, since we're talking about setting up workings, and I want to kind of backtrack just a little bit to respect. Be respectful of other living people in the cemetery or graveyard if you are there. There is nothing cool or edgy about putting on all your black clothing and putting on your your goth makeup and getting some of your little hoodlum buddies together and going to the cemetery and being really loud and stupid and obnoxious in the process of doing some phony baloney ritual, you know, and basically irritating other people who are there who are just basically trying to visit their dead loved ones. Like, that's, that's a jerk move. That's a shitty thing to do. And that is not going to do anything to make anything that you want to do in the graveyard any more powerful for you. So grow the fuck up. Um... I want to hear your take on this one, Austin, because I usually tell people when conversations around graveyard work come up that they should be cautious, that they should think twice about the way that they communicate or the way that they respond to spirits in those spaces who are inclined to reach out. Mm -hmm. That one, you're not familiar with, which more often than not is gonna be the case, right? Particularly if you're new to that situation, you're not gonna know exactly who the spirit is, right? but also um, to be mindful of the way you're communicating with those spirits because um, not not all the spirits in those spaces are, are necessarily interested in being your friend. Not mm-hmm. all those spirits want to help you. Yeah, not all those spirits want you there. So what would you say to people about that? You mentioned one of these earlier. You talked about how you need to be very careful not to actually give your name mm-hmm. to
0: the graveyard guardian. Right? Yeah. You can identify yourself without actually giving your name. Yeah. Um, so well, you can even you can even say, you can call me Austin. Yeah, yeah. and that's what you said.
1: Yeah. But yeah. you can say that, and that is kind of a, a, a loophole or kind of a roundabout way
0: mm-hmm. of being able to give them an identifier, but not saying, oh, my name is. Yeah, because if you give it to them, by giving it to them, they'll be able to track you. They'll be able to follow you.
1: Yeah. I think that's awesome. one of the issues people have where they feel like they've been followed home by something, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you laid out an invitation. Yeah. Um... My brain's based. You're good. So basically, I was just like saying, was there anything you'd add to that, like in terms of communicating the spirits? Because I think this is what happens. Yes. I guess what I'm seeing is, people, you know, again, uh, you know, for for whatever reason, you know, people think it's really cool to like, you know, get some of their friends together and you know, the go go to a, a cemetery, kind of, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, and they take, you know, like their Ouija board right and they decide oh we're going to just set up in the middle of the cemetery and we're just going to like open the board up to whoever wants to talk to us right and you know and if you do that you're yeah you're probably going to have a number of spirits that yeah. are like oh shit yeah here's some people that i can talk with absolutely let's that's talk. how you get parasites you know? um yeah ex- exactly you know and so the thing i guess is that in the process of communicating or thinking about ways to perhaps respond to communication you're receiving from spirits um make sure that you kind of test that a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like ask that spirit for an identifier, mm-hmm. ask that spirit, maybe why it feels an interest in communicating, right? Don't just take whatever shows up as the like, Oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah. is it. This is the one. Well, and right? on
0: top of that, don't use tools. Do not, not unless use very particular training, unless you've had per- very particular training, but don't experience. go into a fucking graveyard or a cemetery with your fucking pendulum. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so sick yeah. and tired. Well, my pendulum said, well, my pendulum said, okay, well, you know what? I literally watched your arm spasm. So there is why your pendulum said that. Um, There is a breeze. Therefore your little organite pendulum, which weighs not even an ounce, is going to move, you know? So don't use your pendulum. The biggest thing you need to do is you need. thing is is definitely something I'm also, yeah,
1: the pendulum thing has also become a bit much. Yeah, in recent weeks.
0: What you you need to do is learn how to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Because your body will react physically before (laughs) it does spiritually, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you're going to feel, oh, something's not right. This doesn't feel okay. Yeah. In your gut, then then before you'll be able to have a spirit pop up and go, hey, fuck you, don't do that you're going to feel it in your body first well and would you say
1: that uh, you know in in going back to the conversation of being kind of cautious around the means and the uh, openness with which we we have communication with Mm -hmm. spirits in these places would you say that um, a lot of the spirits that hang around in graveyards are um, a lot of the spirits like well maybe not a lot but I would assume a number of those spirits like those aren't human spirits Yeah. Oh no, you're disagreeing. Okay, I'll to, not, be, to be clear, I'm not talking the D word.
0: No, I'm because not. I'm not this. disagreeing, but I will. I will say that because that's because cemeteries and graveyards are liminal spaces, mm-hmm. and the the physical housing unit of that spirit is there most mm-hmm. of the time, um, or commonly, I guess I would say. Um, there's still going to be an energetic tether or tie there. So, oh no, no, t- I think you're. Mis- I think you misunderstood what I, what I was saying.
1: I'm not talking about that because th- absolutely yes, there will be oh. human spirits in that space. Yeah, I'm What I'm talking Sorry. about is those spaces because of the way that living people often process grief around death. Oh yeah, those spaces are gonna yeah, those spaces are gonna be like like magnets for parasitic kinds of entities. Mm-hmm. You know, because they feed on that energy, they feed on that emotion, right? You know, and it's not that those entities are necessarily bad or evil. They're just doing what they do. Like yeah. that's that's their nature. They feed on that energy.
0: Yeah, leeches right? are not bad. Leeches are not evil, yeah. but they attach to you and they suck your blood. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, that's what they that's do. That's their nature. Yeah. So um yeah, but but that is something to be aware
1: of because on occasion those those parasitic entities, they are able to communicate. Mhm. Um and they will I, I think sometimes to be able to get what they want, they will mislead us.
0: Yes, of course they will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's it's like Coco. Like Coco? Yeah, she's like, "Look at me, I'm so cute." rub a dub Coco. We live with
1: a a very large a very, very floofy, oh, fat. Fair. She is fat. Um, we live with a, a chonky Siamese named Coco who is, um... She's a serial killer. I She would be. She would be a serial killer if she had thumbs. Yeah. She's very good at luring you in. And then when you are relaxed and you think, oh, she just wants to cuddle, that's when she... She gets you. Yes, that's, when she, you. Yes, that's when she goes in for the kill. Yes, I think that's just a Siamese thing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what about this one? What are what are your thoughts on this one? So if you go into a cemetery, you go into a graveyard, you're doing there, and you're doing your work, I also tell people like, get in, do your ritual and spell as quickly as you can, clean up and leave quickly. Yes. And don't go in and Don't loiter. Delete yeah, don't go in and loiter. That I mean that, that serves a couple of reasons. One, you're you're on space that one, isn't your space. Two, if you're there for too long, sooner or later a cop might decide to roll through that place and you're gonna end up dealing with a some some criminal issue right um and you know and beyond that you, you don't need to loiter in a cemetery you know you don't need to hang around in these spaces I just, I worry a lot about people who do that and I want to be really clear when I say this because I know absolutely there are cultures and spiritual traditions where they like they do they go and they'll they'll spend a whole day in the cemetery yeah. right we have a fairly large Pacific Islander community here mm-hmm. you know and they'll do that like the whole family will get together and they'll go and like actually do like a barbecue in the graveyard mm-hmm. with their dead relatives right you know and so and that's a component of their practice that's how they honor their ancestors you know and that's beautiful um, but if you're not involved with a practice like that, if you don't have that in your culture, that's not something that your spirit is already connected to, you probably want to be careful around that. Um, if you hang around in these ener- or in these spaces too long, a lot of people have complications and problems. These are you are dealing with when you go and you spend a lot of time in a cemetery or a graveyard. You are basically seeped in death energy. Yeah, like you are you are you
0: are there and you are dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and over time it can drain us mm-hmm. it can well, the
0: illnesses and the thing is is then people are going to say oh well i'll just go there and i'll just shield and i'll just ward and i'll just mm. keep everything up and i'm like okay but you are literally in if you're going there with a purpose and you are warded to the teeth you're not going to get any communication yeah you're going to be pushing things yeah. away yeah you are the guest in the house of the day, yeah.
1: yeah, if you're going in there with all your armor on, you're absolutely right. You're not going to be able to work an effective ritual or spell.
0: Yeah, you are the guest. Yeah. That would be like you approaching. I have this experience. <laughs> that would be like someone coming to a full moon ritual and then telling me, I'm going to keep my shields up the entire time. That what? Did, that didn't work out very well. No, it didn't because <laughs> yeah. um, they they tried and it, it lasted maybe all about 30 seconds yeah. until there. it was just
1: absolutely well and if you think about these kinds of things you're dealing with with a situation where you know you you could be channeling a lot of your personal power into keeping a shield or something up and, and going um but you're in a space and you're dealing with spiritual energies that it is in their nature to drain yep so by continuing to put power into protection and yep. shielding you're still giving them what they want you're still giving them power over time they're still they're still going to drain you that's 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 just the nature of things, um, yeah. So be mindful of that. Be very very particular about that. Don't get arrogant. I know I've I talk to people every day, who are like, well, I'm the biggest badass, which I which I know, and nothing can get through my words. You know, I'm I'm tough, and I've been at this for like, you know, fifty years, and and nothing is is, you know, and I, I'm sorry when if you fall into the pattern of thinking that you are
0: untouchable, that is the first step towards something seriously fucking you up. Yeah, if you fall into the pattern of thinking you're untouchable, you're very touchable. Because that oh. means you are steeped in fear and arrogance. There you
1: go. I don't want to be very touchable. Am I very t- I think I am very touchable. You're touchable. Don't touch me. Um, alright. So after leaving a space like this, um,
0: what would you recommend people do within the realm of say like Cleansing or clearing? Well, first, the easiest way to do that is to, again, think the guardian and, again, leave coins. Mm-hmm. You know, leave, pay the guardian. You were in there. Yeah. You, you have to pay to enter. You you should probably pay to leave, too. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, you can also ask that the guardian make sure that nothing goes home with you. Yeah. Well, because that's
1: our job, right? Yeah. A lot of people talk about that. And as you said at the beginning of the episode, a lot of people talk about guardian. Uh, the guardian of a space like this as being something that keeps things out. Mm-hmm. But their job is also to very much to keep things in.
0: Yep. Yeah, so so you're absolutely right. So. Um, beyond that, once you get into your car um, or wherever, go, go ahead and give yourself like a good spray down with like, Florida water. What if I rode my unicycle? Then give yourself a good spray down with some Florida water. Okay. Um, Florida water is really good because most of the time, Florida water is going to be citrus-based and uh, citrus helps lift up and brighten energies yeah. and so that way it kind of helps get the dead energy off of you. Yeah. Um, do something to really connect you back to the mortal coil. Um, so get some sort of food, um, something like that, and then just make sure that you you do a good ground.
1: Okay. Alright. How about you, what would you suggest? Um, I'm. I I think you're I think you're pretty good there yeah I I think even if we're not working in a cemetery or graveyard I think anytime we're working with death energy Mm -hmm. or those kinds of well yeah just that basically I think it's always a a good idea when we're done to do some sort of clearing and grounding yes right because those energies are things that we can certainly tap into and connect with as witches and as you know involved in necromantic practice but um, we probably don't want to live there no right we don't want to make that kind of a regular part of our routine Mm -hmm. yeah so Alright, is there anything else that you would, would suggest to our listeners for um, better ways, perhaps, to work uh, within graveyards and cemeteries?
0: Well, I'm going to go back. You, you said something about, like, stop with the graveyard dirt. And graveyard dirt's a big component of my practice. Um, Ew. It is yours, too, bitch. Yeah, but we
1: are a part of a tradition that, like, that's, that's a thing. Yeah. Okay, and the, the sure. challenge, I guess, oh. I'm having, and just to be very clear, is... When sorry, we have we have Poppy barking in the background. Um, the challenge that I'm having with that of late is that has become, I think, in some situations, it's trendy. a very trendy thing. You know, it's not quite as trendy as Moldavite was, or some of the other nonsense that we've seen in the last year, right? But um, but there are a lot of people kind of walking into the shop right now, you know, uh, these days, and they're they're you know, and they're asking for graveyard dirt, you know. And I've gotten into the habit of of. You know, when this up. And these are, when I say people, okay, I'm talking like, this is like a 16 year old who is just buying her first book on Wicca and, you know, and has no prior witchcraft experience, has never done a ritual, has never done any kind of spell work, you know, and she wants some graveyard dirk, you know. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm, I'm happy to sell you the graveyard dirk, but I always kind of have a little bit of a conversation, you know, it's like, do you know what to do with this? You know, and then in response, it's almost always like, well, I read this thing on Pinterest. And as soon as I hear that, I just want to reach across the counter and smack the shit out of that person. Um, Because you don't want to be a Pinterest witch, for God's sake. Anyway, um... But that's, that's the issue I'm having. If you're coming from a tradition, if you have a bit of experience and knowledge behind you, and the tradition that you're involved in is utilizing or does use these things, wonderful. Buy all the grapefruit you can, or better yet, go, go to harvest it yourself. Your own. And figure out the right way to do that based on the tradition that you are involved in. If you are truly involved in that tradition, we should probably clarify it, because people claim things they shouldn't. Um, But don't, don't, don't buy these things because it's just the trendy thing and everybody else has some in their apothecary. Don't, don't do that to yourself. For one thing, you're wasting your money because you may never use that. Okay. For another thing.
0: uh, Anyway, go on. I interrupted you. If you are a person who wants to use or is just starting on their path and you've been doing the graveyard dirt thing, here's the thing. There are proper ways to go about it. Um. And depending on tradition, it depends on what type of grave you harvest from. If you harvest from a adult male, do you harvest from the head, do you harvest from the feet, do you harvest from the heart? Do you uh did you harvest from a child's grave? Mm. Again, head, feet or heart. Yeah. Did you harvest from someone who was an active member in said church how are you going to use it or about we the gets, grave of a soldier the grave of a soldier or, or the grave a of the policeman you know um what time of day was it when you it? exactly the there's a lot of things that go into this because as much as everyone likes to do the whole oh well it's all about intention and bop 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 and this and well i did it with pure intention okay this is not one of those things where it's like yeah, you could probably do a money spell any day, but the best time to do a money spell is going to be like a Wednesday or a Thursday. Sunday, Wednesday, or Thursday, right? Because mm-hmm. of those planetary influences. This is not one of those things. Because you're not in your space. You are in the, the, the house of the dead yeah. when you're in a cemetery. Yeah. Which means you follow their rules. Which means if you're harvesting those particular things that's what you're getting so if you're going to a doctor's grave to harvest for he, uh, for for a hex you're probably not doing it right particularly if you've not built a relationship with that spirit yeah if you're going to a doctor's grave to harvest dirt for a curse or a hex because you want them to fall fall ill that's going to go against their code of conduct. They their, their whole purpose is to heal. What if they were a really shitty doctor? And if they were sued for malpractice and they left the practice, and you, then maybe, you know? But then you'd have to do some research, right? Exactly. Yeah. So again, we have that R word. Research. Hmm. It's almost as if... That seems like too much work. You can't trust everything you read on the internet... See a video about. You cannot learn how to harvest graveyard dirt in one sitting. Or that is something that you go through many uh, sit downs with. You know, I'm gonna teach someone how to harvest common, just common cemetery dirt. Not even from a grave. Just going to a cemetery and getting it from a tree. There's an entire process around that. That's different than harvesting it from an actual gravesite, mm-hmm. And so it's not that you shouldn't as much as there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And if you don't want to learn about it and you don't know it already, prob's best not to do it. Yeah. You know, if you, if, if, if you, if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to do it, just don't do it or seek out someone who is willing to teach you how to do it. But understand it's not just going to be a one and done process. And if you've never worked with the dead before, chances are it's gonna be a little bit harder for you.
1: Yeah. It does it takes it takes a little bit of a There's a learning a, curve. A, yeah, it takes a little bit of time to, to kinda of break into these things. Now having said that, I will say that I think anybody really, to be honest, at, at any level of practice really can be can, can work effectively with the dead. You know? Um but but that doesn't mean you wanna, you know, dive right in and get again get arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. You need to you need to make sure you know what you're doing. So all right. Anything else? On that particular topic all right well then let's let's move to our next topic so one of the other things that we were asked to discuss was necromancy and i i just want to say right now at the beginning again it kind of is a little bit of a of a, a clarifier that there is no one kind of necromantic practice there are so many cultures and so many traditions so many beliefs around the dead the way that living can continue to work with the dead and a spiritual level um and so once again the information that we're going to present is not is not going to include practices that would probably be seen to be closed or maybe more specific to tradition this is all going to be relatively general kinds of things but even this information i think is is invaluable and a lot of this is stuff i think that a lot of people don't think about Mm -hmm. okay so um the first thing i'm going to say is as we were just actually just talking a moment ago like know what you're doing um so many people get into necromancy and these kinds of practices because they think it's edgy or dark or cool. Um, you know, and all I can say is if you need to be edgy and dark and cool, then just stay in your basement bedroom and just continue to listen to your panic at the disco and your other emo band albums and smoke clothes. Yes, and smoke your closed cigarettes, right? And so, and again, I'm not trying to shit on anybody there. But, you know, but if your your whole goal goal is to look, you know, in practicing these kinds of things and doing these kinds of spiritual and magical things is just to look edgy, you don't need witchcraft. You need to grow the fuck up. Uh, because you're going to be asked to do things in the pursuit of personal growth, if your practice is legit, that are going to make it pretty clear pretty quick that, yeah, you you don't get to be edgy. You need to be authentic and real. Mm -hmm. Um, So do try to remember that. Um, Messing with death on an energetic level is not casual work. As we mentioned earlier, those kinds of energies can really affect us in serious ways. And it's even worse that when it comes to necromantic practice because we're not just hanging around in cemeteries and graves at that point. We are consciously incorporating death energy and items associated with death into our practice that is it's it's more intimate at that point and so we're going to feel those energies more intensely Um, and so we need to be mindful of that because these energies as we've already also discussed can be parasitic and they can be damaging to our physical health they could also be really damaging to our, our, our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say right now, and I really I don't want this to sound ableist, though I, w- I understand that it will, absolutely. If you're at a point in your life where you're dealing with some fairly serious mental or emotional health issues or physical health issues, you might want to reconsider practicing necromancy. Agreed. You might want to consider, or at the very least, Try, try to be a bit more cautious. Try to make sure that you're not just completely gung-ho. You need to be careful because you are, again, dealing with energies that will they will eat you
0: up. Um, well, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Because when you surround yourself in the energy of death... As I often do. It weighs on you. I can tell you, as a medium... I don't do a lot of mediumistic work, but... But
1: then can you call yourself a medium?
0: Yes, because after doing... It, it was happening. I did a, I did a party this week um, where I, I was a psychic. And after about the thir- first hour or so being open to like psychic work, I started doing mediumship. I, and I wasn't meeting to. Um, and I was able to kind of stave it off and not say anything or do anything like that. But as I worked with it, as I did it, it just got worse and worse. And I had to clear that space before I left. Otherwise, those dead would be lingering around. When you are working with dead energy, it impacts your body. Because you are living. You are the antithesis of death. It yeah. is like oil yeah. and water. Or, or no, it's not even like that. It's, it's like mold. Like if, mold? Yes. If you have several things molding Mm -hmm. you know Um, if you ever go to a supermarket and you see that the fruit is molding probably don't buy that fruit or stop shopping at that supermarket but um, if you see that it is molding you're gonna notice that the fruit around it is going to start to mold as well and so by you carrying that dead energy throughout your life throughout your world into your mundane life, you're going to start seeing that that happens. You're going to start seeing that you're going to be losing. Um, If you are someone who struggles with depression, you're going to be just depressed all the time. Your meds will stop working or it'll be harder for you to pull yourself out. If you're someone who has a lot of health issues in general, you're going to notice those start to get worse because your body's going, okay, well, we're surrounded by this dead energy and we are already struggling to keep things moving. It's just going to be easier to be dead. So you need to be cautious and careful with it. And this is not me trying to monger fear or anything like that. This is me literally saying, there is a point to this. And as much as everyone wants to jump on the ableist, ableist, ableist train when it comes to mental health and stuff like that, I am an, I am a medium who has mental health issues. And that is why I do not do a lot of mediumistic work. Because I know that if I open myself up for that, I'm going to struggle with my mental health for the next Couple days to weeks, even sometimes a month. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather stay balanced and healthy in my living day to day life than have to open up and talk to someone's great nana. Yeah, if I'm doing consistently, it just gets more powerful and powerful and powerful, but that's because I keep getting more and more and more into that realm of the dead. Mm-hmm. So please understand that if you are going to be doing necromancy, if you start to feel your mental health decline, take a step back. It is okay. Mm-hmm. Take a step back. Do a cleanse. Do some stuff to help up that, you know. Maybe even take a step back from magic and the occult at that point. So that way you can re and refocus yourself um, a little bit more, more efficiently and healthily. Yeah.
1: So, so de- yeah. So to sum up, you know, again, and going back to... You know, maintaining that balance. It is not that people who would maybe have these these challenges can't. It's not that they cannot practice necromancy. No, but they they need to to take extra precautions yes. around maintaining their personal balance. Yes. So um, I, lo- I love the I love the analogy that you used of mold because you were talking about that being a representation for je- for death energy and. But mold is still like a living thing. Yeah, it's like a living organism. So I just I just thought that was kind of that's an interesting comparison. Well, but anyway, but no, you're we, good. You're good. I know it was a good analogy. Well, no, but if you
0: think about it, while dead energy is still not living, it can creep over into things. I mean, mm-hmm. example: the first the first year we were open, we raised an altar to the dead, mm. an ancestral altar during the month of October, which is what we usually do, and then for like two and a half weeks, the shop was just dead. It was, like, it was just s- still a conscious energy. Yeah. I Well, I, I've talked to, like, when I talk to people
1: about necromancy, what I, I usually often try to do is I usually try to tell people that it's, that death energy really, to be honest, it's fair to consider it or to think of it as really kind of just a different kind of life energy. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's still, as you say, still a part of life. Yeah, there's. I mean, yeah, like you said, there because there's still consciousness there. Yes. Although it it is quite a bit different. Yes. Um, I think it's the it's the other components that we associate with death. You know, kind of like the lack of mortality. Mm-hmm. Like that's the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's that you know when you're in a state like that, you no longer have the concerns of keeping a physical body healthy. Yeah. Right. You know, you no longer have the concerns, maybe of needing to. Um, Shower, yeah, well, yeah, right. You know, yeah, you, you don't need to do those things, right? Those are not; those are no longer the worries or the concerns, right? So, yeah,
0: so, but, but, yeah, like I was saying, it kind of seeps into things, just like the the the, the death altar did for the shop, and yeah, and we we had to go out and contain that energy. That's just what that does. We had another similar experience like that with Eva. <sighs> no, we love her. But she was, we had her in the shop, and she was just, it it was just dead. As soon as we took her out there and said, this is your job, and contained her, Mm -hmm. and contained that energy, boom. So dead energy is just that. It is dead energy, but it still has a consciousness, like Mike said, Mm -hmm. in and of itself, in its own way.
1: Ava is my, for our listeners who have never visited the shop or taken a class here, those of you who've never been in our class space, um, Ava is my special skull friend. And I, I love her. I think um, everyone does. Yes. Um, she's very cool.
0: Yes. Um,
1: but, you, but you're but you're right. Things. She's yes, she does like to eat energy. Um but you are right though, yeah, having her in the shop was really not conducive to the flow of prosperity.
0: No. Yeah. Okay. So just warnings, you know, it's not yeah, that yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. It, but but you need to be more conscientious of what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And All how right.
0: you're taking care of yourself
1: okay one of the other things that i want to talk about is i and this might seem to some people like this might seem like an odd thing but i'm going to give an example i'm going to try to give an example of why this could be important in your spiritual practice okay around necromancy okay but learn learn about the processes of physical death okay um it can be really helpful to know about the things that happen to a body before and just after death um particularly if we want to incorporate physical components of death, like Mm -hmm. bones and hair and skin and blood, even, you know, if we want to incorporate these things into our practice. um, Again, an example that that I often give people about this is that it's probably, it it could be helpful to know, um, you know, how long it takes certain tissues to break down naturally so that you can Prepare bones for a particular working, right? Or maybe what you might need to do to kind of escalate the natural deterioration of something like, you know, like God knows tendons, fatty tissues, mm-hmm. these kinds of things, right? Um, you know, it might be a good idea to have an understanding of how long it takes blood to congeal, yep, right? When it's exposed to just air, right? Um, it could be good to know those things, right? If you are planning on incorporating those items into your necromantic practice, and if you're working necromancy long enough you're going to sooner or later, you're going to be incorporating those items into your practice. You will have to, you will have to, um, because that's necromancy. Um, so what are your thoughts on that, Austin?
0: No, I I agree with that. It, you need to be familiar enough with the process of decomposition Mm -hmm. to understand that, but you also need to understand the process of, of dying on a spiritual level. What happens to that spirit after it's dead they don't just like boom oh ah, yeah you know yeah. that's not how that works there's a process of it's almost like they have a process of grief too
1: yeah yeah they need to go through uh, depending on of course the the circumstances of their, their passing mm-hmm. right yeah they if they've had what would you consider kind had. of a more traumatic death or yeah if they had like a really shitty life yeah, when they die, they they also need to be healed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that frustrates me the most about people who contact us seeking mediumship, or seances and communication with the dead, is they usually have had other experiences where they've gone to see a light worker pretending to be a medium, and that light worker has filled their head with the bullshit notion that well, when your blah 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 died, they immediately crossed over the veil and they were surrounded by love and lights. And all the people that that really cared about them in life were there, you know, and everything was really, really good. And surprisingly, there was a table there that had their favorite Girl Scout cookies on it. And, you know, and all the angels are with them. And now they're an ascended master. Your your uncle who died horribly from cancer, like he crossed over and now he knows the secrets of the Akashic Records in the universe. And he's going to be a spirit guide for you. You know and and there's how what a wonderful dream that would be right like oh my god if that is actually really how it worked that's amazing Mm -hmm. but then you come and see a real medium and they connect to the spirit of that uncle who died horribly of cancer and that spirit comes through and that spirit is not love and light that spirit is i feel a lot better now but dying and dealing with that disease fucking sucked i was in pain every minute And the treatment was worse than the disease. And the doctors didn't care. And at the end, I was so alone because none of you who I left behind could stand having to come and see me die like this. And not only was I in pain, I was angry because why the fuck did I have to be the one that dealt with this shit? Mm -hmm. You know? And if you're a physical medium or a manifested medium, you're feeling the pain from their cancer. You know? And that is typically the experience that you get with a spirit like that, especially if they've recently died. Yeah. We we had someone contact the shop in the last couple of days who wants to come in and meet with Vlad. Um, and they want to talk to someone who they loved quite a bit. And they're this person died last Friday. Like it's not even been a week. And I, I had to talk this person down a little bit because based on the few details that they shared through the email correspondence that they've been giving me, um this person didn't die under very good terms. And there was some trouble prior to their death. And they've been dead for less than a week. And they want to come in and talk to this person. They probably don't even know they're dead! And I told that I had to tell this person when they contacted us to ask us if they could meet with our medium here or one of our mediums here, I had to tell them, I'm like, you probably want to give this a little more time based on what you have shared with me. You could come in, you could meet with our medium, but that at this point is not going to be the healing and the closure that you were looking for. That is going to be a hurt and probably a fearful and angry spirit trying to communicate. And if they choose to communicate at all. And you know, and they they were struggling to understand that. They were struggling to understand, oh, well you know now that they're dead everything should be perfect for them right no no
0: your soul still has shit to do after you die you still have you still ways have to that process you need to how pro- you died exactly you still have to, pro- have to process not only how you died things in right. life that you did that were either unsavory or things that you did that were good. There is still an entire process there. As someone who is, I have worked so hard to not be a physical medium, but the reality is is after about 90 minutes of doing psychic work and mediumship, I'm, and I'm a physical medium. Or a manifesting medium. I just, I just, hello, I am a portal for the dead. And, I have often told people that you're just a portal. Please go on. (laughs) Uh, and so, so I've had to have that conversation with people and it's very frustrating because you can tell that this person is wanting closure and you can tell that they've probably gone to other people and other people have spun bullshit and they know that they've spun bullshit. And so now they finally get to sit down with a real medium. And I'm going to tell you this right now, a real medium sometimes is not going to be able to connect with your dead because your dead don't want to fucking talk to you. They want to be left the fuck alone.
1: Well, it might not even be you. It
0: might not be specific to you, right? It might just be like they're they're doing shit. Yeah. Well, that and using your example of the person who who died of cancer, mm-hmm. they're probably enjoying rest at this point. Yeah. They don't want to be bothered. Of oh, are you okay? Most of the time, when that happens, is. I'm dead. Leave me alone. Yeah, you didn't care in life. Why do you care now? Yeah, that—that that communication comes through a lot. Yeah, we get that from certain. So, sort of like, like you didn't see me for
1: years before I died, and we were not exactly on good terms. And I was really hurt that you basically cut me out of your life. And now that I'm on the other side, now, now you want to have a relationship? Mm-hmm. No, thank you. You know, and so yeah, so be mindful of that. And mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, if you've got somebody in your life that you love enough, where you're thinking like. Yeah, I want to make sure I actually, you know, like even after this person were dead, I might still have an interest in communicating with them. Take care of that relationship mm-hmm. while they're still alive. Otherwise, you are wasting your time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, also remember that just because they die doesn't mean they become a good person. Yeah. If they were a yeah. bad person in life, it, it this was your great uncle who sexually assaulted every young woman in the family... That energy and that type of personality is still going to come through. Yeah, we've had it happen in séances before yeah, because we have. they always ask, "Do you regret it?" And the first thing you get is, "Of course," but then after that, it's "No," and I'd do it again.
1: Yeah, and it's like and everybody in the room feels like you, like
0: they've been slimed. Yeah, it's like and it's then, like, like you, everybody just feels creepy and gross. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. these are people who have like. Gone to a light worker, and they've been like, Yes, he's Papa. Loves yes, him. he learned his lesson, he had a soul
1: contract to fulfill. You know, it's like, Okay, well, uh, maybe,
0: but ew, no, yes, anyway. So, yeah, that's that's frustrating. Yeah, the, the, the dead do not change.
1: That's okay. Let's pull this back to our topic. Um, we, we did an episode on mediumship a while back and I don't know, maybe that, maybe that's a topic we should revisit at some point because there's, there's obviously a lot more bile that you and I have bottled up around that and the lies that the New Age community sells people around what that is. Um, all right. Um, I'm going to recommend that you learn the local laws around possession of human remains. Yes. Um. There are a lot of people that want to procure human bones and other kinds of things. Um, even animal. Even components of animals. Um, and they realize that oh wow, it's illegal to own this here in this state. Or this is an animal that is uh, endangered in this area of the world and I, I legally I can own this. You know? Um, and so uh, so be mindful of that. Okay, I'm not trying to tell you that you can't still own that stuff, but if someone were to find out you had something you shouldn't you could get into a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. also make sure it's not sacred to indigenous people um yes be mindful of that because we get that a lot here there are a lot of people that come into the store that are always asking us for um a raven an eagle an owl an owl yes and, and particular types of owl feathers and um and we always have to tell those people like because of some of the um rules set around the local indigenous community the the first nations in this area um the, legally in this state, you, you cannot own those things. It is, easily, it is illegal to sell those things. Um, I unless unless you can ID. confirm your tribal affiliation. Yeah.
0: So, I, I asked for their res ID in their papers. And when they come uh, back with, oh, no, I just think it'd be cool to have it. I'm like, cool, you're a colonizer. Shut up.
1: Yeah. Um, We mentioned earlier, um, or kind of touched upon this earlier in the podcast, Um, in addition to knowing the local laws around possession of human remains um, and, and animal remains, uh, pay attention to like rules for visiting your graveyards. Yep. Uh, pay attention to that. Like, a lot of graveyards have a curfew. You know, like, like we close, which seems odd, right? You're thinking, like, why would a graveyard ever close? Um, but they do. They don't want traffic. They don't want people running through the graveyard in the middle of the night for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. Um, also, remember, since we're talking about issues of legality and rules, it is in pretty much every area of the world as of right now. It is illegal to dig up bodies, Um, In some places, that is something that does happen Mm -hmm. as a part of particular practices. And traditions. Um, Yes, and traditions. And so I'm not sitting here saying, oh, no bad, we shouldn't do that. Um, But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this uh, and you live in the U.S., anywhere in North America, most areas of Europe, you know, basically, you know, wherever you may be, like double check and find out what the rules are on that. You know, um, because I've heard stories about people that have gone into graveyards simply with the idea of collecting graveyard dirt, and they have stupidly chosen to dig into a grave to collect that dirt, and they have gotten in a lot of trouble because the wrong police officer or the wrong person caught them, and they decided that person, from the look of it, was trying to dig up a grave. Um, so be mindful of that. Um... Also remember that body parts, um, if they are not cared for properly and if they are not, um, treated properly, I guess, uh, prior to you owning them, um, or, you know, well, basically however you may get your hands on them. Um, remember that some body parts can carry pathogens Mm -hmm. that can be really harmful, um, you know like if I know a lot of people like they I think they call it, at least they used to call it vulture culture right there were a lot of people that would drive around and they would do kind of like their own like you know like at home taxidermy mm-hmm. kinds of projects right and they would drive around and they would like stop and pick up roadkill right and then they would, would basically kind of like you know tear that, that body down you know that dead body down or whatever that carcass was right and they would use components of that right um, but if you don't know what you're doing like those 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 dead animals or whatever the hell it might be those those, they can carry some pretty nasty bacteria and mm-hmm. you could get really sick. So be careful about that. A um, couple of interesting things I, want, things I wanted to share around parts of bodies. Um, so skulls are often seen to be the home of dead spirits because skulls typically house the brain, mm-hmm. uh, which is often compared to the concept of identity for humans and animals. Um, so skulls, if you are, are looking at owning a skull or purchasing a skull of whatever kind, um, that's very often that's gonna probably be how you would maybe incorporate that just in general into your practice as a necromancer. They make wonderful homes for the intelligences of spirits. Um, bones from different parts of the body, Um, will have very different associations and uses kind of based on tradition, Mm -hmm. different tradition and culture. Um, But if you do a little bit of digging, you're going to find that in most, again, the most general sense that very often these spiritual uses that we would have for bones, a lot of the time they're going to overlap the way that that bone was used physically in life. You know? Um, Yeah. So, I mean, just think about that, right? Like, if you want, say... Oh geez now I'm gonna to stumble to think of a, an example. Um, you know, if you want to incorporate a bone into a working for uh, progress and growth and movement, it would probably be good for you to maybe incorporate some sort of a leg bone because mm-hmm. legs are what get us all around, right? That's how we how we move, right? Or maybe a wing, right? A wing bone of some sort, right for flight. Right, Um, So there's just kind of a very half-assed example, but that's, in essence, that's kind of what that means or what that that is. Uh, Blood. A lot of people are really finicky or really nervous about using blood. And going back to what we talked about earlier about ways to behave in um, graveyards and cemeteries, I am going to say be particularly careful around using your own blood, spilling your own blood on the ground in a cemetery or graveyard. Yeah perhaps best not that to do is that. a very powerful entry into you in essence um and you're gonna find that that's pretty common or is one of the most common uses for blood um blood is a physical source of life and memory um and these to be honest are the to be honest the the, the very things that most dead spirits want. They want life and they want memory. And they want to acknowledge and relive memory. Um, so use your blood, um, but be sure you know exactly who any spirit you may offer your blood to is. Um, you don't need to be probably as careful with blood that you're getting from other sources. Um, I know a lot of people will incorporate blood into the creation of talismans, a lot of people will incorporate blood into formulations things uh that they may make and if it's not your blood you probably don't need to worry too much about it or as much about it um yeah just don't
0: use your own blood when you're working with the dead that's just that's just a flat out yeah that's probably not a good idea um yeah and even if
1: you are going to use your own blood and working with a spirit any kind of spirit um make sure that you set a very clear boundary at the start of that exchange or that offering to how Consistently, how frequently blood will be given, uh, and how much blood will be given. Because if you make an offering of blood to spirits and you don't set those rules, whether you want to give them blood or not, they're still going to get their blood from you. They'll mm-hmm. just they'll just get it in, in ways that you're not going to be happy about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when working with necromancy or necromantically, focus on spirits that you already know um, before you try to conjure a strange spirit. Um, you know, work with your ancestors, work with the spirits of people that you knew and people that you knew loved you. You know, Austin, what would you, what would you have to add to that? I mean, as far as like, I think, I think a lot of people, when they think about necromantic work, they don't think like, oh, well, my ancestors, like, I mean, those are all spirits of the dead. Those are all dead. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And what would you do? Would you say it would make more sense to work with or to conjure or call forth a spirit from someone that you
0: knew actually gave a shit about you. Work with the spirits closest to you first before you decide to to, to to go outside of your house and build relationships elsewhere. Okay, all right. It is always better to maintain relationships in the home of your life and in the home of your practice than it is to step outside because it's shiny and then you eventually end up getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, those
1: those outsider spirits they they don't they they don't
0: care about you.
1: They don't need to care about you. There's
0: no connection. Well, on top of that, they don't know you. Yeah. They don't know you. And if you're working with your your great aunt, who you had a really close connection to, and you fumble over a word, she might be more apt to be like, oh, this is what you mean. Yeah. Instead of if you're going to the random dude that you just decided... Hey, I really like this headstone. It's really cool. Let's work together.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, Remember that everything is an exchange. Mm -hmm. If you call a spirit forth, you need to have something for them. Um, And I'm just going to say right now that in addition to taking the memory and the energy of any physical gifts that you may offer, the spirits of the dead are also going to drain your energy. Yes, they will. To sustain themselves. Yes, they will. Um, you you can take all the pretty shiny gifts into a cemetery that you, you can possibly afford um, and they will happily take the energy of all of those things because that's really that's what they're doing. They're dead. They don't need those coins. It's the energy behind the offering. Yep. That's really what they're looking for and the memory of what it was to be human mm-hmm. and to interact with money. That's what they want. Um, You know, but even with that, all of that being offered, you're still dealing with spirits that have to drain your energy to be able to manifest in the way that you need them to as a living being. Yep. So remember that and plan accordingly. Um, Manifesting things
0: in your living mundane life requires mm -hmm. living energy.
1: Yep. Yeah. You're dealing with spirits of the dead you know and as we mentioned earlier with uh we talked briefly about parasites and parasitic spirits you know these spirits even spirits that you know who love you like your great nana whoever if you are working actively with her spirit you've called her forth she is going to take your energy she has to she has to to be able to to mm-hmm. to, to to sustain herself in that situation and she's not doing it to harm you most of these spirits are not doing this to harm you this is just what they need to do to be able to complete that bridge um, so again, so plan accordingly and, uh, you know, eat your Wheaties, be prepared.
0: If you don't have the energy to light a candle, you probably don't have the energy to work with the dead. Um, I mean, yes, that is
1: fair. Again, that also sounds a bit ableist. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, yeah. But no, but that, but that is fair. That's absolutely, I, you know, I think you're, um, you know, you're, we're dealing with a situation where you, you really, you, you have to do consider the, the means and what is required.
0: I'm, I'm very aware of how that sounded. But if you are struggling already to maintain just your daily life, Mm -hmm. you're already struggling to get out of bed. Yeah. What makes you think you're going to have enough energy to work with that dead spirit that you want to work with? You don't have the energy. And the thing is, is it's not ableist. You just need to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Part of being a witch is being honest with yourself and if you don't have the energy to do that and you don't have the 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 capability of doing that Mm because you don't have it yeah that's okay there is no judgment there but understand you probably need to make a better choice
1: yeah Yeah. Find, find find another practice find something else or work your necromancy in a way that doesn't require you maybe to have to uh deal with those energies so consistently you know have have some extra safety nets. Who knows, right? Do 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 what you need to do, right? Um, I don't think Austin and I are. I don't think either of us is here trying to tell people no. You can't do this, right? Because, you know, we don't. When we don't have the right to do that. But, but I would hate to think that anybody who found themselves in a situation where they were dealing with like a chronic health concern, or some sort of disability something that you know Im- Im- affected their abilities you know that they them in that way i would hate to think that they would you know or i would hate to hear that that person decided to get you know real gung ho and go and spend the night in a cemetery right because they wanted to commune with the dead like that's not going to be a good experience for that person no um you know so this this is that's about That's how you get sicker. Yeah, this is about your safety and your well-being. Um along those lines limit your direct exposure to these spirits um you know we this is we we talked about this last time. you you've mentioned this a couple of times now in working as a medium you know we do seances here um and sometimes our seances will run rather long if we get a large group of people who are attending um and we try to go through that room and make sure everyone has a chance to communicate with a spirit i mean I've, we've had seances i think that have gone past three hours yes sometimes and that is miserable at the end of that three hours you the people working whatever system or tool that we're using we are fucking burnt out um because those spirits have drained us the entire time Mm -hmm. and everybody else in the room usually too when they get up to leave most of those people are very tired Mm -hmm. and that's why and we usually explain that we usually tell those people like you're here and you're you're basically you're a battery um you know so let's make the most of this time Right, um, but yeah, but you, we do need to be very careful about that. Don't spend so much time with these spirits because they, as we've mentioned repeatedly now, they will, they will, they will take from you. Um, the dead have memory, um, and very often they will like the same things that they did in life. Um, so make your offerings and gifts uh, accordingly. If you had a grandfather that loved a particular type of cigar and you want to conjure that spirit, you want to call him forth. And, you know, who knows, maybe you have a picture of him, maybe you have, who knows, maybe a cutting of his hair, which would be an excellent necromantic focus. Um, You know, but in order to kind of help conjure or call that spirit forth, go out and buy one of those cigars and light that bad boy up and let that burn for a few minutes. Um, Because that scent, that smoke... And I'll be the first to tell you right now, I don't want to burn a cigar in my house. They're fucking nasty. Um, but this is the sacrifice you make for that spirit, right? Um, yeah. Remember, it's the gifting, the act of gifting, and the memory that matter.
0: You also probably want to make sure that you're not doing necromantic work where you know you live. Like if you sleep in that room, you. Oh, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm like, I was, I thought
1: you weren't done. I was waiting for you to finish the sentence, but that was the sentence. Like,
0: if you sleep in in that room, you probably don't want to be doing necromantic work in that room. Yeah. If you don't have the capability of being able to completely clean up and shut down that space Mm -hmm. and cut it off from the death current before moving about your daily life. Yeah. That's going to be an issue. Yeah. So usually a lot of necromantic work happens outside.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. Yeah, very true. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we, you and I have both had uh, an opportunity to, to kind of guest teach a little bit in the, the course that Vlad is teaching right now on necromancy. Mm. Um, and one of the classes that I taught, um, we discussed the idea, or the the the, the, the belief, the, the, you know, the reality that um, the, our entire planet, in essence, is really basically just an enormous graveyard. Yeah. Um, because the planet has existed for as long as it has and mm-hmm. because of all of the life that has existed on this planet, every creature, every being, everything that has lived on our Earth that has, you know, lived its life and then died and has gone into the ground, you know, um, in some sense. You mean most cars are you filled know? by dead things. So, well, there is that, but I'm, I'm, you know, but basically what I'm going through is like the entire Earth, in essence, is a huge... Connection or focus for necromancy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The death energy is everywhere. Yes, it is. Um, you know, and I think some people they don't they don't realize that sometimes. Um, so I guess what I'm saying with that is really, to be honest, you can practice this kind of magic pretty much anywhere. Um, but it is probably always a good idea to research mm-hmm. spaces you're going to go to, just so you might have a clearer idea of which spirit you're going to be connecting mm-hmm. to. Well,
0: yes, death energy is everywhere, mm-hmm. but we as a living people make our living energy more dominant. Yeah. Because living energy is more dominant than the energy of death. However, when you actively call that energy into play, and you are manipulating and working and conjuring that energy, you are saying, "I am no longer the dominant energy in this space. This energy is." Yeah. It's just like if you walk into, if you walk into, when we used to do lots of workings in the in the front room of the house. Yeah, if you walked into that space and there was an active spell that was going on or was still there, you could feel it. Yeah, you, you could feel it because mm-hmm. we said this now houses this energy. Yeah, and depending on where you're at, where, where you are at in the house, you could feel it no matter what.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting idea, and I, maybe it would be good for us to describe that a little bit because I, I've, I've been in places where, um, you usually I find this usually happens in one or two situations where I've been hired to go into a space that is dealing with some sort of unwanted spiritual activity. Mm -hmm. And I get in there, and one of two circumstances has happened, okay? Someone who lived in that house, or who was extremely close to the people living in that house has recently passed away. And the living people in that house are so caught up in their grief that the spirit of that person, the energy around that person in their death is just just so strongly present in that Mm -hmm. space. Or someone in that space thought that they were a big badass occultist, and they decided to conjure or call something forth that they really couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. And in each of those situations, when I walk in, it feels, the only way to describe it almost is it feels kind of like this a vortex, but it's a vortex that kind of turns against the natural flow. Yep. It's a vortex that kind of turns backward. and because of that it leeches and drains everything. And if you're in that space for a, a long enough, you feel tired. You feel heavy. your, your thoughts you become slow and thuggish uh, or sluggish, right? Slow and thuggish. thuggish, thuggish. sluggish, sorry, it becomes sluggish. Um, and pr- with prolonged exposure to that kind of a situation you do, you'll become you become physically ill. Um, you know, and so that's the only way I really could describe it to people, you know, and I, and I I know in trying to describe that I know I do I want it to sound like these are bad energies or that these are energies that we shouldn't work with at all because there's power here. Absolutely. And these things like everything have their uses in our witchcraft. Um, but you know, but we need to make sure our boundaries are really clear. Um, Along those lines, um, I'm going to say unless you have, again, what I would call very particular training, or you have developed um, a skill set through experience that kind of has you more prepared for situations like this, Mm -hmm. do not work with the dead while in an altered state. True. I I have had conversations with a number of people who have decided, oh, we're going to do a seance. And before they do that, they all they all, you know, they, they take mushrooms or they all decide to like drop acid or they all, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, right. You know, they all do, even just drinking, they just get super drunk, right. You know, uh, but they're in an altered state, you know, and they decide now's the time to mess with the spirits, right. You know, and they do that. And, you know, the reason I say that you shouldn't do that unless you are particularly trained or skillful in some way is that that right there opens you wide up to being ridden by spirits you probably don't want to take over you. I'm not talking possession because there really isn't another, there really isn't a human spirit out there that I think has the ability really to possess you. They can speak through you, um, and they can do things that might have you feeling like you were possessed. Um, but it's not what we would really be considered a true case of possession because you're not gone. You're usually still there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it really is, again, what we would call maybe more like being ridden, where all of a sudden you realize, like, holy shit, like, I'm not entirely in control of my body. And oh my gosh, these thoughts and these words that are coming out of my mouth right now, these are never things that I would really think or say, you know, like, I'm acting very strangely right now, you know, and that's something that can happen. And what you're basically doing is you are acting out the echo of a memory from spirit, or you actually have a spirit who has decided, ooh, this one was stupid enough to let their guard down in front of me, and I'm gonna have some fun, um, you know. And but that also happens with parasitic beings too, right? When you are in a state like that, and you're dealing with these kinds of energies, if there's any kind of parasitic entity in that space, you you have flung a door wide open for that spirit to attach itself to you, or to come in and at least get a little bit of your energy. So um, so don't don't do it. Don't do the thing. Um, you think of anything else that would be like just good pointers or good good advice for our, our would-be necromancers?
0: Mm. If you wouldn't do it to a living person, you probably shouldn't do it to a dead person.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, I think there's this there's this idea that I think some practitioners get where like if just because they're not Li- are not living or they're not human or you know whatever we might identify that all that doesn't mean that they're um that they don't deserve as much respect yeah or that they're not in essence equal to to who we are as living human beings and that's a really dumb way to think because that that right there that kind of thinking first of all it sets you up to be a real asshole in your practice Um, but also sooner or later that kind of thinking is going to be the kind of thinking that is going to like sooner or later you're going to run into a spirit that's going to eat you. Mm -hmm. You are, you are going to have a spirit try to eat you. And if you have done that and you behave that way, that spirit probably has a right to eat you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so don't, don't do it. I, I think I have rambled on long enough and I, I hope that to the listener who requested that we discuss these things, I hope that some of what we have shared is helpful. Um, I honestly at the moment can't really think of anything else. These are these are topics again, admittedly, that get really difficult to 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 discuss because there there's just such a wide variety of practices around necromancy. There are so many different cultural beliefs and ideas around ways to interact and behave with mm-hmm. the dead and the ways that we should operate when we're in a cemetery or a graveyard. So it does get difficult to touch on upon or to be able to cover all of those things. But what we've shared at least is I think good to remember and will hopefully be something that will help you to get a little bit further in your practice.
0: Understand that necromancy is not just baneful work. For some reason, uh, yeah. for some reason, people hear necromancy, they jump right to baneful work. And then a lot of the necromancers I know just use it for baneful work. Um, mm-hmm. And it can be used to heal. Absolutely, yep. It can be used to heal as much as it can be used to harm. And it's important to maintain balance because if you're surrounding yourself with that dead energy and then you're surrounding yourself with that baneful energy and that's all you're surrounding yourself with, sooner or later, that's what you're going to attract, which means you're always going to be on the receiving end of something. You're always going to be having to... You're going to have to be doing cleansings every fucking week sometimes several times a week you're going to surround that water seeks its level and so when you're surrounding yourself with that and you're constantly putting yourself in that situation because you want to be edgy um or because this is just you you have a very limited understanding of how necromancy works you're also opening yourself up to limit your power And there is nothing more weak to me than a witch or a practitioner whose first initial instinct to anything is to throw a hex or a curse at it or to make the dead go for it. Because Mm -hmm. if that's all you can do, you're reacting out of fear. Yeah. And fear weakens your power. It takes more strength to look at your enemy and go, I hope you have a good day, than it does to want to stab them in the face.
1: I'm just going to say, sometimes stabbing an enemy in the face can feel really, really good, though. Yes,
0: I can agree with that. Okay. I'm not saying baneful magic is never needed, but I am saying that there needs to be a balance. Yeah. And if you are out of balance, your practice is out of balance, which means your energy is out of balance, which means your life is out of balance.
1: Yeah. Well, I would encourage anybody that kind of incorporated any particular magical practice into their uh, practice, ugh, um, whatever it may be, I, I would encourage anybody who, who's doing that um, to, to pay really close attention, like to, to actually to be uh, proactive about, you know, asking yourself, like, how many different ways could I use this? Mm-hmm. Like, or for how many different things could I use this? because as you said absolutely necromancy can can definitely be used for healing it can be really used in a lot of ways for protection yep um you know yeah so i think you're right you think that people associate necromancy with baneful magic because of it just the death and people by nature are fearful of death yes i think that's where that comes from from. yes well and
0: when you think necromancy you think someone's in a graveyard trying to raise the dead aren't they i mean maybe i mean that's usually what i'm up to good for you
1: I have my own reasons for spending my time with the dead. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Anyway. So,
0: that's my take on that.
1: All right. Uh, well, that's a that's a thing we did. Is there <laughs> anything you would like to add, Austin? No. No. Anything that is really annoying you, or anything that you maybe you're really kind of digging about your your, your slice of the world these days?
0: Life is good. That's good.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain. I don't have anything. I, I have consciously been not interacting with any kind of social media now for, like, at least the last three weeks. And I think I might continue to do this because I've had more peace in my day. And it's actually been really nice not to feel this sense of pressure like, when I see somebody say or do something stupid to, like, go in. Not not to try to, like, be a dick, but to go in and actually say, you know, you should probably be careful with this because this is something you could do that could hurt you. It's Or exhausting. this is something that you could... You know, like there's that part of me that's, like, I'm always trying to teach, right? You know, and I, there's this part of me that I think I have a difficult time asserting a boundary there. <laughs> um, you know, but it's been really nice. But at the same time, I am totally out of the loop when it comes to what the latest nonsense is within the witch community. And, um... And if I'm just going to say, if this is what being out of the loop feels like, then I, I might continue to be out of the loop
0: um, because it's been better days. So I quite enjoy just th- that because I've not really been engaging or anything like that. I've just kind of been focusing on the, the shop and, and us. We have a trip coming up. And
1: our listeners don't need to know this.
0: And it's just like, you know...
1: Should we tell our listeners that we're going to be traveling to Colorado in the next few weeks? Well, I was going to say... If no, any of our did. listeners live in the Denver area and your creepy serial killers will be in your hometown in about two weeks. I'm not sure what I'm trying to start right now.
0: I know. I'm like... Um, I was just saying we were going on a trip. You're the one who just relayed that information. Well, I don't know where we'll be. Should I tell them where we'll be? No, I'm not no. going to do that. Okay. Right. Um But. Anyway. We are going to try to
1: hit up some of, like, the little metaphysical shops yeah. in Colorado, though, because there's some cool ones there. Um, and, uh,
0: yeah, maybe we can network a little bit and, and say hi to some people. Yeah, but, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I've just kind of been enjoying it. I've been reading some books and just be bobbing around. So You can read? I know. I shouldn't. But I do. It's okay, I forgave you. I know, I know how you feel about me reading. Just,
1: I just worry about you, you start reading books and you get that wrong thinking. And then I gotta school you, I gotta correct you. It's true. Um, Alright everybody, thank you for listening. We yes. will of course be back in the next week with uh, more of our witchy nonsense. Yeah. Yes, thank you and happy witching!